7 of the Mastercast, the official Games Master podcast. Uh, we're coming to you from deep in the bowels of future publishing with... Gross. All of the... <laughs> uh, what's that on the wall? <laughs> with all of the gaming news and stuff <laughs> that you need. Um, I'm joined by editor Matt Gilman. Hello there. My name's Robin Valentine, I'm the, I'm the production editor. And I'm also joined by... Me, Ben Griffin. <laughs> I'm the senior staff writer. That's true. As you're listening to this, uh, our issue 307 is on sale now with a link on the cover, and it's purple and orange, and it, it looks brilliant. It looks great. It's 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 got to be the most radiant, radioactive looking cover on the on you'll the newsstands. You'll know you'll know where it is because all the other magazines around it will have melted. <laughs> <laughs> um, pick that up for our A to Z of Zelda, which uh, dives ludicrously deep into the world of Zelda to the point where you actually pulled a little bit of Zelda out into the real world and did some um, uh, some cooking. Oh yeah, that, using, was, a, that was a fun that feature. Well. Using ingredients from the game. But anyway, you can pick up the latest issue for that. Zelda, we've talked about it before, there's one game that we haven't talked about that it would be impossible to talk about anything else today. We physically tried and our mouths sealed shut in protest. So here we are, No Man's Sky. Uh, Never heard of it. As you're listening to this, I think it will have been out a day. Uh, We got code um, a few days ago, but not much longer before everyone else. Sorry, they're not seeing too many reviews at the moment. Yeah, yeah. I think think because there is a big uh, sort of day zero patch, they didn't want people playing it before Mm. that had gone out. Um, Obviously, lots of people did anyway, but um, all the outlets seem to be respecting that patch, and, and you won't see any big reviews. Uh, there might be some going up by the time you hear this podcast, but certainly... Um... I mean, we're, we're about to talk about it, because obviously we've played it um, for a bit, but it's probably worth prefacing that just by saying, like, this isn't our like final opinion or whatever it's we say. It's very early. It's like, I think I've played it's it five for Five hours about, in. Yeah, I, th- I think I've played it for about four or five hours. So, so take this with a pinch of salt. Obviously, it's a massive game, and yes. we've sort of scratched the surface of it, but... I mean, both Matt and Ben, you've played it. I've not played it. I've watched Matt play it a little bit. Um, I've not had a chance to try it myself. But, um, uh, well, I mean, who wants... To, I guess Ben, What? What? Well, as you're, you'll be reviewing it for the magazine, what is your take? Yeah, initial, on the initial hot take. I played take. it for an evening for about four or five hours. I'm uh, much more... I'm, I'm more keen on it than you are, Matt. But I've, I've started to notice uh, kind of like a structure to it like I'm settling into the the routine mm-hmm. and that routine seems to be go to a planet find resources uh so you can get off the planet and go to a new planet and mm. find resources what to uh, just to like start start us off what was your first planet like the starting planet oh it was um it was like all rocky <laughs> it was all rocky <laughs> oh it was all rocky <laughs> oh it was all rocky Got pebbles in my shoes <laughs> it was like just gr- just gray rock with like um red trees and it it oh, all, a bit, it sounds a bit of a dull introduction all, to be honest all, all planets seem to be kind of the same they're, they're all they're all really rocky i haven't seen like any um, oh no i've, I've yeah i mean i've yet. seen quite a lot of different very different worlds like okay. my, my my starting planet was like 
this uh, like irradiated kind of bleached green and yellow like these all the the sky like the atmosphere was all like like bleached yellow like you couldn't see anything it was all very misty and foggy yeah and then the the the, the grass was all like this ludicrously like neon green uh, and there was the there were these like cave systems with huge kind of glowing spires in them and it was quite kind of it felt like quite a unique uh, place to kind of kick off from yeah but like I've seen completely barren I mean this is like I say four hours in so I've, I think I've travelled to like 10, 15 different planets I've seen like barren like uh, tundra like desert lands which are just like almost completely flat like you can see the horizon in front of you and it's just like arid kind of wasteland with like uh, like with just the occasional like like pothole down into like some crazy cave system underneath or I've been to a world which was like I think I was telling you about this the other day Robin like it was this weird like ocean world but it had these these like flat like dinner plate shaped uh like rock like, protrusions just like like floating islands in the in the sky yeah. just above the water so it was it was like completely See, unique that's what I want. Like, you, you, you've not seen that kind of thing i i've heard similar things from a few other people saying like oh every world seems to basically just be the, it's the same sort of rocky world i think yeah. i've looked out which, yeah that's the thing is i think a lot of it is like probabilities which is um obviously a tricky thing cause it's, it's like if you, if you if the roll of a dice is basically whether you get like a cool first few hours or not and that's mm. that's a tricky thing for a game and it's going to be different for every everyone yeah right? so Oh, sorry, go on. The scale is so so vast, and that's one of the first things I noticed, really, or that, or that kind of struck me. I mean, all the pre-release stuff was when they were talking about. I think Sean Murray was saying, like, no, to to people, like, no, 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 you don't understand. It's it's huge. Like, eighteen quintillion planets is a number, and we go, okay, that's a number, but it's such a vast figure that it's you can't, your brain can't quite grasp it, and until you're, and and not even once you've started playing the game, and and you realise. That you're on an actual planet-sized planet that, that would take however long it would to walk around amidst an unthinkably large number of others. Like, I mean, we we were like talking about probably trying to do like a like a diary feature, like trying to find each other in the game or whatever. We're going to talk about that in a bit as well, mm. I guess. But the 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 number of it and uh, and the scale of it is just so vast that it would be. And they are they are planet-sized planets as well because. Um... I remember seeing a, a waypoint uh, that I needed to go to. The game was telling me I needed to go there. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll touch down this planet and then fly to it. Uh, but it was actually on the other side of the planet. So I had to go back out into orbit, uh, go into hyperspace, zoom around the other side of the planet and touch mm. down there. Because you, you can't fly around the planet. It would mm. take hours. And it's got that great kind of thing that Elite Dangerous had where it's like if you're just flying at like uh, cruise altitude, uh, a cruise speed or whatever towards something and it has like a little thing and it'll say like, oh, it's going to take you three years yeah. to fly at the speed you're <laughs> flying at to get to this place, but you engage hyperdrive or whatever, and you go really fast. And, and then, if you're near a planet, it will uh, take you out of hyper speeds to mm. save you crashing into it. Uh, so there's no worry about that. But oh yeah, yeah we, we had a moment of yeah, of like, well, how do you activate hyperspeed? Like literally facing the planet. Yeah, and just like, oh, I want to go a little bit faster. Not really. <laughs> yeah. You just press the button, and you're instantly going. Uh, at you know terminal velocity or whatever. That is a good moment uh, as well because all the stars like yeah, go yeah. past like in in Star Wars and yeah we we me and um uh and David Horton from uh, Games Radar yeah. um were uh, watching Matt play at lunchtime and yeah he was like coming into this planet literally facing it directly on and then press the the hyperdrive button or whatever <laughs> and it like 
And like, and it's always impressive when a game can elicit like an involuntary reaction from you. But all three of us were like, "Whoa!" Oh. <laughs> like, like, "Oh no, <laughs> this went horribly wrong." And then you you kind of handbrake, like stop instantly on on the cusp of the atmosphere. It's like, oh, everyone's like 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 pulling at their collars. Like, oh, Jesus. I, I think that is probably my favorite part of the the game. Just um, you you can go to a planet, touch down on it, walk around. Uh, go into a cave, like the deepest, darkest cave, explore that for an hour, mm. uh, without any loading, go back to your ship, fly out again, and off to a new planet. Yeah. Uh, it's just seamless. I, d- I think, yeah, I think my favourite kind of experience so far has been when you do find a new world and you haven't been there and you don't know what to expect. And as you're just coming through the atmosphere, like cutting through the clouds or whatever might be there, and the, the kind of, the, the engine is starting to kind of build the planet ready for you to land. Yeah. So you're going, a little bit too fast and the engine can build it sometimes so it's like popping up and you can see you start to see features popping up and you start to see things that you that might be interesting to go, to go and explore uh, just as you're coming in and then just before you land you're like where shall I where shall I land where shall I start this kind of I guess like expedition uh, that's that's really cool have, have you seen any cool monsters I saw a, I saw my first dinosaur after about Three or I say like dinosaur, yeah. I mean whatever that was. was. It was it was an alien. That's you applying your Earth prejudices and exactly. preconceptions to yeah. the universe, really. Um, and actually, you're the alien here. That, what? If it's if you land on a planet. I th- oh, I thought you meant in this room. Oh no! Like, uh, <laughs> oh no! You're in, this, in this room, Griffin is the alien. So. I think so. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually a robot. Let's, ah, let's okay, not draw nice. attention to this. You know, we don't want to get in. You know, yeah, we might, might have to edit this part out. Yeah. Okay. What was the dinosaur? Oh, it was like a. It Try was. It was like. It had. The body of like a rhino, right? So it had like clumpy kind of feet, yes. like hard kind of hooves. It, well, it wasn't hooves. Do rhinos have hooves? Rhinos don't have hooves. No. no, they have like they have like um like like, like, like flat round feet. They have yeah. the, it had those right. Okay. It was like yellow kind of scaly kind of hide, and then it had like the head of like it was like a kind of deer head. It was like a like a very snouty, like with antlers. No, no, it had like a mane. Oh, bears uh, don't have manes. Yeah, yeah, it was weird. Uh, <laughs> uh, but they cool. had this big, big bushy tail, like yeah. like the kind of bushy tail that uh, like a fox would have if a fox was the size of a rhino. Yeah. Uh, and the tail was like orange, and 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 the body, like I say, was it was yellow, and the head was like this kind of tawny brown color. Uh, that sounds nice. Yeah, I and mean, it was quite big. It was like the size of say like a Fiat Punto. <laughs> what did you What did you do with that? Did you kill it? No, no, oh. I didn't kill it. Oh. And it hasn't a guess, Griffin, that you've killed almost everything you've encountered in the universe. Well, I think what I'm going to do for my review is have a little box out saying, here are the animals I've killed, and just have a picture of them lying dead on the floor. But that's not just because I'm a horrible man. It's you can actually, yeah, you can get carbon from anything you kill. So you, you kill them, you harvest carbon, and that plays into another feature of No Man's Sky, which is, um, well, it's the, it's the main feature, really, which is harvesting materials so you can... Build your spaceship, upgrade your suit, and upgrade your weapon. Mm. I mean, like, as you're exploring this vast uh, galaxy universe, you 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 have it's this a kind galaxy of... technically, right? Is it? Well, a ga- I don't know. Hmm. I, don't I think know. I think No Man's Sky is is a galaxy. Well, whether it's a, a, a universe or a galaxy, it's certainly bloody massive, <laughs> right? So it's probably all much of a muchness. Eighteen quintillion is. Is a number that is impossible for the human brain to actually represent. Yeah. Like, so the difference between 
you know, however many billion and how many quintillion is, mm. is sort of academic. I, I can um, I can help you visualise it. Okay. Um, that's as big as 80,000 billion trillion football pitches. I think that's probably not true. I think it's probably... Again, not. you just said a number that's just a, a number. Though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you've got to think about no, it like... It helps. Imagine, imagine like a house built out of a uh, hundred bricks, right? Picture that in your mind. A yep. house built out, it's quite a small house, hundred bricks doesn't this build. This is already beyond house. my, pos- my right? visual. <laughs> and then you think of a house built of a thousand bricks. It's quite yep. a bit bigger. It's quite nice, right? Now think of a house built of 18 quintillion bricks. Oh, I got it. I got it. Uh, you got it? Oh, I yeah. just needed that ramp up into there it. There you go, right? Uh, yeah. There's a really interesting... Um, like I'm going to get the maths completely wrong because I don't remember any of the actual numbers. But if you uh, look up, like, uh, if you do it in seconds, it illustrates how much, how much the numbers kind of jump up. It's something like a million seconds is like, you know, three days. Or something. I don't know what it actually is, but say it's three days, and then it's like a billion seconds is like ten years, right. and then like ten billion is like, like three hundred thousand years or something right, like that. Yeah. Like it's like the the jump up is like. Is crazy, and then yeah, like a, a number like quintillion is, is. I mean, what what even is quintillion? Isn't it is a that, billion billion? It's no, it's got to be more than that, right? Because it's quint. So is that does that mean like a billion a billion, billion, billion 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 or something? Basically, it's it's a number so, so large that it's just ludicrous. It you need all to, means nothing though right. if there's no variation. And yeah. granted, I've only been to five planets. They were all kind of the same. They're all they're all just rocky. Because obviously the game, like consoles don't have enough power to, to make a world that's just like fully grass, each individual blaze waving, fully, you know, trees everywhere, like big forest. So they will have to be quite rocky and barren. No, well, I think you just got really unlucky. I think, I, like, like I say, I've, I've been to worlds which are like forests. Really? Yeah. Okay. But, okay, another thing though, the monsters, I'm being unlucky with those as well because all the monsters I've seen, they're basically being like roughly all around the same size. Right. Like, about the size of a rhino, or or like a di- like deer to rhino level, they've all had four legs, just been walking on four legs. Ah, so you know. They've all had like um, like kind of reptile skin, no fur. There was one creature that I saw, which was like um, a spider, yeah. and it was like crawling, like a big massive spider crawling towards me, about the size of a dog, which right. is big for spiders, and I had to blow it up. <laughs> Um, but apart from that, <laughs> apart from that, they were coming right for me. Um, well, I think, like, I mean, I've seen in like the four or five hours that I played, I, I like I said, I went to about 10, 15 planets because I was like, I was booking it. I just wanted to see as much as possible because I knew I had to give you the, co- yeah. the game the next day. Um, and I mean, I saw these weird, like, mushroom headed guys with, uh, that, that had no legs and that would, that would get around by like, Bouncing around. What? Yeah. That sounds so uh, fun. I mean, I've seen. You said you saw no animals with fur, right? I've yeah. seen like, like weird kind of. I guess they're like deer, but they have like, uh, like spines or like spikes on their on their backs. Those yeah. are quite cool. I've seen like two legged these weird like two legged kind of. I guess like I, I wouldn't call them like birds. They're not like ostriches or they had the gait of a of an ostrich, but they look like. Like reptilian or whatever. Oh, I love that. It's in quite a lot of like I, I different see stuff. A massive, like something that I can't even comprehend, like a, a, a huge giant worm right. with eight million tails. Can you even visualize eight million no. tails? That's what I want to see. It's in this randomly varied world. Is it basically like, like you know those like doorstop 
cushions, you know, that you put at the bottom of a door yeah. in the winter to keep the heat like cold. a draft exclusion. Yeah, yeah, draft exclusion. It's like that. <laughs> I want to see one of those. But like, like a carpet. Like all the tails just make this kind of layer yeah. of carpet, and it just tells jokes nonstop. Okay. Right. Well, <laughs> if you've uh, experienced an alien draft excluder out there in the wilds of No Man's Sky, then do write into us, I guess. But I'm not convinced that that is a possibility. But uh... do you know what? I tell you, No Man's Sky does make me appreciate being on Earth and not being able to leave because the galaxy is so massive that it's scary, and I just like having my little chair in my uh, my room and just playing my games. I don't have to worry about exploring this infinite universe. Uh, I like I like my little life. <laughs> Has No Man's Sky made you a bit, like, agoraphobic or something? It's made me contemplate the hugeness of the universe, and I don't like how big it is. Mm. Wow, okay. Um, well, there's, there's a, a, there you go. a whole new take on No Man's Sky. Too big. It's too big. <laughs> too big. <laughs> Scary. Sca- so so we've, we've been talking about this game a lot. But, I mean, obviously it's early, early because we've only played it for four or five hours each. But yes, is it is it a good game? Is, oh is yeah, it's good. Thing we should probably talk about. It's it's good. There's lots of little niggles. Like um, the running speed isn't. It's it's too slow. So it takes a while. You feel like you're plodding. The whole game around. feels like slightly can, artificially slow. And from as, what I've seen, like the like the mining and like the like all of it seems just a little bit slow. But as you yeah. progress, that stuff you can. You, you can improve that. You, so can, like you, you can, can improve the mining. You can, you can boost your stam, stamina so you can run faster and for longer. Yeah, and like, on your exosuit. Uh, yeah, you things can. Things like that. Uh, but it's like there's there's lots of other things like flying around isn't that like fun to do. It doesn't feel like you're in charge of a big spaceship. Mm. You just you hover up and it's almost like you're just moving a camera around the sky. Mm. So they could they could make that a bit better. And I, I feel like they uh, and like popping as well. When you fly down to a, 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 a planet, there's a lot of popping because the game is generating itself as you go. But I feel like these things are going to be sorted out with a patch. Like I feel like it will, they'll Hello Games will definitely support it. Mm. I think as well, like in terms of technical, uh, like you're talking about popping and stuff, like you can forgive it a lot purely because of it's doing something so incredibly fresh and unique and and different. Yeah, uh, and and impressive, like. You you you've not seen anything like this. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've compared it to to Fallout and Skyrim and stuff, where mm. like things that are of a, games that are of a certain scale, mm. you accept a certain amount of like technical limitations because it's yeah. I mean, because I mean, can you imagine trying to QA this game? Like yeah, <laughs> like oh, there's 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 eighteen quintillion possible variations on this one bug. Yeah. So. Um, and then the team is only like a dozen people strong. Yeah, yeah. There's this real small team down in Guildford, and they obviously went through quite a lot during development. As well. Oh, they obviously yeah. flooded and all that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if um, uh, it's quite interesting if you look it up online. There's a whole troubled history to the development of No Man's mm-hmm. Sky, and it's amazing what they've achieved given mm-hmm. um, given that, as you say, offices flooded and, and all sorts. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I, th- I feel this No Man's Sky conversation is threatening to expand. Into the entire podcast, like a twenty quintillion planet galaxy. Oh. Maybe we should talk about something else that takes place in space. Rimworld. Let's do that. Rimworld. So I've been playing this a lot. I've been playing it a little bit. Right. I've been playing it. Nothing at all. You've not. You've not played it. I don't think. Yes. It's... No. I haven't played it at all. What? <laughs> I'm not sure it's your sort of game, man. Oh no! I think it is definitely. So? I think you would hate it. <laughs> but 
funny stories. We would merch. love him talking about it if he ever did. Play I it. don't think he'd get into it at all. This is um, explain yourself. Okay, so RimWorld is basically. Have you played Prison Architect? Do you know yeah, what Prison Architect is? Right? Yeah, yeah, I wrote previews for you, Matt. Did you? Well, yeah, in games for me Master. personally. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so RimWorld is kind of like like Prison Architect, yep. except instead of running a prison, you're running a smaller scale kind of colony on a uh, kind of abandoned or like uh, like planet on the on like the edge of it's supposed to be on the space. yeah it's supposed to be hence rim <laughs> the the lore of the game is actually quite weird because at the moment if you go into the menu there's literally just a button that's just like the lore of this game and you yeah. click it and it takes you to a web page and then it's just like a bullet point list of like because this game's in early access to clarify um and it's just like a bullet point list of like this is what's happening in this world mm. i think the idea is that like that there was a huge human empire but instead of being like this huge, like stable technological, you know, technologically advanced empire like you see in normal sci-fi, it's like it kind of runs with the idea that like all civilizations are always on the verge of just collapsing back into like barbarism. Mm. So the universe is just full of all of these planets where it's like civilizations have become really advanced and then collapsed back down into like medieval times or something and then yeah. worked back up again and then like a plague has wiped half of them out and they've collapsed back down into like caveman times or something yeah. it's like like an, an endless cycle of apocalypses Ooh. and out on the rims of the universe is just these planets of just like like scattered survivors and mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and the ruins of past civilizations and all sorts of stuff it's really weird interesting concept that, that, but, but ultimately when you're playing it it's a much smaller scale than that yes like, yes i mean that makes it sound like this incredible grand strategy you're in one small area it's of one t- planet you're, you've got like a <laughs> tiny patch of land where well you not, can, not tiny well, it's quite can, a big you patch can, of land. you can actually choose the size of it as well but like you 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 have like set scenarios so like the standard like go to kind of starting scenario is you have three survivors from some kind of uh space catastrophe who like l- crash land on this on on a planet like a uh, generated planet um in out of cryosleep so the cryopods land they wake up and then you have to kind of guide them uh from like a kind of a very kind of top layer strategy kind of Way like prioritize their tasks, assign them, assign them. Click on them and point them in. No, 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 you can't directly control them. Yeah, so it's like you have like a list of tasks like uh, firefighting or cooking or harvesting plants or hunting, and you can assign people jobs and priorities. So you can say, right, uh, this guy is really good at cooking, so he's going to be my cook. So I'll put in priority number one for cooking, and then he will always cook when there is food to be cooked. Mm. Whereas if someone's like uh, really good at handling animals you might have them be uh t- taming wild animals for you to kind of have a flock of of creatures to kind of harvest aliens for, 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 yeah alien creatures no there are some no. no this is the other thing is there are no aliens in this universe what? there is only um there are some genetically engineered animals oh right okay is this a law thing because i have yeah. not clicked on that tab it, it, it's worth it as i say it's very weird and it really kind of sets us. up because I, I feel like the thing with with them um, games like this usually when games are like kind of um zoomed out, very detailed strategy kind of games like this. Usually they start with a very generic premise mm. as like a really easy access point into it. And then usually games where it's like much more immediate and like you're maybe controlling one character in a whole world. Those are usually the games that have like detailed lore and weird yeah. premises and stuff for you to explore. But um like Prison Architect is 
you are the warden of a prison. It's not mm. like you're the warden of a prison on on Mars. On, yeah, on <laughs> Mars in the middle of a you know. I, I would a, play that game actually. I, I would as well, but but um, even Dwarf Fortress is actually quite generic in that it's like a generic fantasy world with dwarves and stuff. Mm. But uh, but this game has like all this weird lore, and and that affects the game quite a lot because like the the. Um, the settlers are like randomly generated and they have randomly gener- generated backstories mm. and their backstories can be like like one guy can be like oh that he was like medieval nobility yeah and then another person will be like oh he was a vat grown super soldier yeah. on like as part of this like gal- intergalactic war and that's stuff. great uh, but the idea is that like all the life in the universe comes from earth yeah. Which is, mm. like, weird. Isn't it? But it means that these planets have, like... I think that's a kind of point of accessibility, because it means, like, you're getting attacked by, like, wolves and mm. bears mm. and stuff, and not, like... Well, there are, there are like like you say, genetically engineered things. So there are, like... I mean, I got attacked by a herd of... I think they're called boom rats? Or yeah, there are boom rats. Boom rats. Like boom ex- rats. Exploding rats. Bob Geldof. Yeah, not, the Boomtown rats are in it. Bob Geldof is... Uh, uh, and, uh, like, alpha beavers. We had a, 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 a scourge <laughs> wow. of... Alpha beavers. What do they look like? Beavers. Oh. Maybe it was Earth all along. <laughs> maybe. That's the maybe, twist. Maybe that's the twist. You see um, the Statue of Liberty. We, uh, the other thing is, as well, right? And, and by talking about the wider law, we're kind of losing the, losing the point, yeah, point of Rimworld as well. <laughs> because in the the great thing about this game, even though it's early access, there's still obviously quite a lot of work to be done on it, is that it is this great generator of of like stories, like stories of your own creation, because you're trying to keep this colony together and, and, and help the colonists survive or whatever. So, like, you end up... Um, an, an example is is my first kind of, like, colony that I put together had... Uh, it started off with three and we got joined by a couple of other people, but ended up being we, we were trying to survive through this really long winter and we'd ran out of food, we'd ran out of medicine. Everyone was slowly succumbing to starvation and, and it got to the point where there was only one survivor left... Uh, whose name was Steg, and I think he was like uh, the gardener of the group or something like that. But then he um, he was watching all of his friends die, and these were, these were people he, would, he like. There was his uh, I think one of the other characters there was like his brother, you know, and and his brother had a wife, uh, and they were all just like succumbing to starvation and just dying in, in this in this like dead wasteland of winter. And he would each time someone died, he would drag them outside, even though he was tired himself, drag them outside. And, and bury them in the in the kind of graveyard that I'd kind of haphazardly kind of put up in the in the back garden. And then he'd come back inside and just kind of go cloud watching or just like tend to the graves, like instead of doing the jobs that I was assigning because he was so depressed. And then like eventually everyone died except for this one guy. And it's still the middle of winter. We've still got no food and there's no medicine. And there's and like to, so basically to stay alive, he had to go back to those graves, dig up again the the his you know his fallen. You know, family and and friends uh, cook their corpses to eat them uh, to survive through winter, and then it got to the point where he'd eaten all of the all of them, uh, and then he was still like, it was still winter, and it's like, come on, <laughs> and then he had a ma- mental breakdown, uh, obviously, uh, and then he uh, stepped out into the cold. It was like minus twenty or something. Stripped off all of his clothes, and then just walked out into the snow until he died of hypothermia and that was it like the end of my game but it was just like because you're not in direct control of these characters and because they have these backstories and because they all have these like stats that are assigned to them like so and so is good at gardening so and so is good at shooting or whatever they 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 feel like fully fleshed out characters in this like wider drama that's playing out 
and you're just, you, you, I mean, even though you're in, you know, you're, you're managing it all and you're trying to keep it all together, they they kind of have their own, like, like I say, personalities that, that take you through. So like, when Steg just started walking out into the snow, knowing, knowing, I was knowing what is going to happen, he's going to walk out there and die. Just like, oh man. And it's like, this like, uh, wistful kind of, the music like, old brilliant. west kind of <laughs> guitar is playing in yeah. the background. Like, oh man, Steg. 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 Steg is no more. Yeah. So, that was cool. You've played it. Yes, I've um, I, I've not really had like a full run through yet. Because right. I feel like it takes quite a long time to really get it going. And also, I've got a bit of an instinct to like, uh, if when things are going horribly wrong, to like quit and start again. No, Rather do than not let do it that. play out. And, You've and, got to let it play out because yeah. that's where the magic happens. Because um, then you might survive. And at the end, you're like, oh my god, I can't believe these guys survived it. Like we had... We had a rampaging pack of like I think they were like man-eating bears or something. There was, there was like three or four like big old grizzly bears like banging on the doors of the of our of our little shack. Exactly. But um, but all of our food was stored in a fridge which was separate to the house. <laughs> so it's like this storage shed. So we couldn't get to the food. So everyone was inside that little base with these bears outside, and it, and it got to the point where it got to night time. All the bears just like fell asleep outside the house. <laughs> so I sent, I like locked all the doors except for one. And then I got, I got one person who was like the animal husbandry person or whatever. I got them to like slowly walk outside to the shed, get some food. And as soon as he got in there, I'd like prioritized hauling it, like go get the food and bring it back to the others. But as soon as he got into the shed, he's just like ramming the food packages into his mouth, like, <laughs> eating it all. And then, like, vomiting or something, because he was just like, oh, man, in the fridge? Come on. Oh. Uh, but then, he, yeah, he managed to bring it back safely. And then everyone had a bit of breakfast. And then the bears woke up, and it was like, oh, another day. Another day another in day on of bear of, planet. Of, <laughs> 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 um, yeah, and then you, as you get through, get through kind of that initial phase of, like, stay alive, like, sustain yourself, you, you, you know, you figure out f- sources of food. You, 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 you know, you have um, crops, which you plant down there are also these uh they the game calls them like ai storytellers who yeah. essentially are a kind of characters of themselves that they are overseers of your story as it unfolds and they will see what you're doing it, fe- it feels like this is what happens is, ha- is happening it feels like they can see what you're doing and seeing what's happening to you and it knows exactly it feels like it knows exactly when to throw a particular challenge your way or to throw you a bone or to or to uh, just change things up a bit. So, like, <clears throat> at the once I'd figured out like how to uh, get all, all all my crops growing at the right rate and at the right time of year, and and and, and I had a fridge actually attached to the to the building so that we could get into it if any bears attack across the sea of uh, bears. <laughs> we we had a, a, a like a crop plague which like decimated half of the crop, and it's like oh god, what what, what are we going to do? We've got no got no food again and, and it's winter and then at that point you've got to you've got to think on your feet and try and figure out wait you know winter's coming right let's get all the weapons we've got no no choice now we have to go and attack uh the the pack of uh, i don't know wolves around the corner because that's the only like potential food on the entire map and and you kind of force yourself to have to you know try something different or do something different or you you'll have like Raiders come in. Uh, Leon, who's played it for us and who's, who's writing about it in the mag, had someone had raiders come in, kidnap one of the characters from his colony, and then through the rest of the game they were, kept sending him like like messages <laughs> saying saying we've got we've got Bill. I can't remember the guy's name. We've got Bill. Give us you know two thousand silver, 
and uh, and you you can have Bill back. And and he, obviously he didn't have two thousand sil- silver, but he was like, oh man, and so he could never get that guy back. I mean, I had one where there's this endless stream of these stories. I had one where this 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 gang of like slavers came to visit our colony. So, oh, do you want to buy do you want to buy any of these slaves? Uh, and then one of the ca- one of my colonists was like, oh my god, that's my mum, right? And one of the slaves was the guy's mum. And then as he, the, the sight of his own mother being carted around like by these slavers, like gave him this huge kind of like uh, depression. So he was, oh, he's not going to, just didn't do any work. So I was like, man, I've got to get, I've got to get enough money together to buy this man, this guy's slave, uh, uh, or attack them and try and, you know, ca- like rescue or whatever. But then all these guys had machine guns. All I had was like a shiv and a and a bit of wood with a you know spike on the end or whatever. It's like, oh, I'm going to have to just let them go, man. And then they kind of walk off the map and you just see that one guy, like, following them for as far as he can go, just, like, watching them go. And then just coming back, like, and go, you know, just lying on the on the grass, like, looking at the clouds and being all depressed. You're like, oh, God. Oh, man. Sounds like an, <sighs> an anecdote generator. It is. Well, if you want to read some anecdotes from that game, in our next issue, that's correct, isn't it? 308? Uh, yeah, yeah. That's in our right. next issue, three oh eight, on sale, eighth of September, mm. uh, you'll be able to read uh, the latest Hurley Access, starring Leon Hurley, yeah. uh, as we send him completely unprepared into Rimworld, and everything catches on fire, and mad rabbits eat everything. Brilliant. Which, uh, which was good fun, good read, mm. uh, and I recommend the game. I think it's uh, even in early access. It's, um, it's, it feels pretty feature complete in most ways. I would say there's a there's a few things where I think you can see a gap, but uh, for the most part, I think it's. Uh, it's there, yeah. so I'm looking forward to trying more of it. I also wanted to uh, touch on something with issue 307 and issue 308. Well, Matt, you probably describe it better than so, I. Yeah, I mean, we obviously uh, 307 is on sale. If you're listening to this the day we put it up, or, or, or thereabouts, the issue 307 should be on sale like right now. That's the one with the link on the cover, as we were talking about earlier. Um, you get a batch of, or the second batch of Final Fantasy fourteen codes for that, that's a bunch of in-game items you also get a copy of the game uh, which we've got on disc with, with the mag so um, so if you haven't tried it before and you fancy giving it a go, then um, then do pick up a copy if you do pick up 308 once that comes out next month we have another set, of the, the third set of, uh, of in-game items for Final Fantasy fourteen, and, and obviously if you uh, I talk, talked about this last podcast, but if you have all uh, three issues, so that's GM 306, 307 and 308, and all three sets of in-game items, then you can unlock uh, the original Fat Chocobo mount in the game, which is obviously a very rare item that uh, previously only really available in Japan, and I think it only came to North America like uh, a while ago, but um, but yeah, if you're a Final Fantasy fourteen player already, then that's definitely worth picking up, and if, uh, if it's something that you'd like the look of or, or fancy giving a go, then 307's your issue on sale now. And uh, you can also, uh, starting in issue 307, um, is our Papercraft Arcade machine. Yeah, yeah, of course. So we, we, we've been chatting with the guys at um, Atari, uh, and they've uh, given the blessing for us to, to put together a, a, a series of, uh, of arcade machines in Papercraft. So we've got, I think it's Asteroids and Centipede in this issue that's on sale now. I think that's right. Uh, next issue, we've got uh, Missile Command and Pong. Oh, yeah. So proper classics. And then going forward, we've, we've also been chatting with the guys at to Bandai Namco, so you'll be getting uh, Pac-Man machines. There's a Dig Dug machine as well. So look, it's 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 a it's a pretty meaty set over the next four issues. Uh, 
like you say, starting in 307. Would you describe them as true Folden oldies? Uh, I wouldn't just describe them as it. I literally have described them as that in the magazine. That's amazing. That's literally look, what we call them. Look forward to reading that. Oh, yes. Look forward to reading that joke again. Yeah. In the magazine. <laughs> Um, we've just got time for a couple of fan questions. Oh, this is my favourite part. Questions sent in by fans um, on our Facebook page, um, on our Twitter page, or by email at uh, gamesmaster at futurenet.com. You're always welcome to send in your questions, and um, and we will answer them on the podcast. If they're good, if they're rubbish, then frankly, keep them to yourselves. Yeah, <laughs> um, got a question here from uh, uh, Samuel L. Jackson Hamilton. Is that um, his real name? I don't know if the Jackson is real. I, I suspect he may have inserted is this, that. It, I, mean, I mean, is Hamilton actually part of his name, or is that like the name of like the town he lives in? And it is actually Sam Jackson. This from... might be a question from Sam Jackson himself. Right. And he raises further questions. <laughs> it does start with, say what again? <laughs> um, uh, Sam asks, will the NX fail if it's underpowered, do you think? I think it will. So he said, "That's what he says." Well, I don't, already, not, that's not my answer. He's already <laughs> right, coloured okay. our perceptions there. The, the, the stuff that the NX is obviously a lot of it's uh, rumour and speculation at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. So, like, there was a story. I think it was on Eurogamer about it being a, a kind of well, exactly what we said we thought it was going to okay. be. Yeah, handheld speculation. console hybrid. Yeah, with uh, a dock. If you, if you go back to one of our previous episodes where we discussed the NX, I can't remember which number episode it was now, but. A lot of our predictions were uh, a- apart not from, a lot of mine. I was going to say, apart from the one where we predicted it would be like a Toblerone. No, but that's the thing. Is it's uh, well, it's according to Eurogamer's rumours, the... <laughs> not to the extent we thought it was going to be. A not not quite, quite to that extent, <laughs> but we were closer than I thought we would yeah, be. Yeah. So um, essentially, the, the kind of the speculation at the moment, or, or the kind of unconfirmed rumours at the moment, is that it's a, it's essentially like a screen, uh, which is a handheld uh, console. Uh, which you have like detachable, uh, I guess like mini Wiimotes that like, like kind stick of handles, to the side with like, yeah. uh, like analog sticks and buttons and things. If you wanted to play on the go, you can, and then it's also a device that you can plug into a dock, which would sit next to your TV at home in your living room. Um, so it's essentially a console that you can, you can just pick up and take with you and play games on, whether it's on the big TV or, or on, on the go. And it's, I think the power of this machine was supposed to be around about, between a PS3 and a PS4, something like that. I think it's supposed to be somewhere. roughly on par with modern, with current gen consoles, with right. like PS4 and Xbox One. But the the chip, the like, um, I guess the processor. I'm yeah. not. I'm not very hot on my console architecture, but uh, is it like a Tigra chip? But it, it's some kind of chip that is basically like an Android yeah. chip, um, which obviously puts images of of you know mobile phones in people's in people's minds, but. Um, mm. Um, I mean, and again, this is all not confirmed. But like, uh, one of the things that we've heard as well is that like some of the some of the early games. Obviously, we're going to see Breath of the Wild. We knew that was coming to NX anyway. But there's also been talk of uh, a brand new Mario game and a brand new Pokemon game uh, in the, in the launch window. I think is the is the rumor at the moment. Hmm. But so, the question was yes. Let's return back to this question now that we've. Well, so the question was, w- will it be successful? Yeah. I well, think no, will it, it will be. Well, no, the question is... Regardless of how is, is, will it fail if it's underpowered? Yeah. Okay. I, I, don't, I don't think it will, because the, the Wii was underpowered, and that did amazingly well. So I don't think power has anything to do with how successful it, it will be. For me personally, though, I really don't want another Nintendo console that's 
this this would be the third generation of Nintendo consoles that are a generation behind the current yeah. you know power of the generation. Uh, like the Wii was underpowered, the um, Wii, Wii U was underpowered, and it just it doesn't excite me. I I look forward to a, a console that gives me like something that I've never seen before uh, in a, in a game. Mm-hmm. Like I want to explore like amazing worlds and in like really dripping with rich detail and uh yeah I, what about you guys i think that like it it's weird because i mean it sounds like this is more like it's leaning towards handheld than it is home console i think that limits the power that they can put into it it does but i mean it wouldn't surprise me if if this is their new 3ds rather than their new wii or their new home console like what what's to say that well, i think it's both I, well, Okay, go with me on a journey for a okay, second. Okay, right? okay. Imagine this. Imagine they stop making 3DSs, but they still want to have... Uh, but basically, 3DSs is, is phenomenally successful. They still want to make handheld devices. Yeah. What if this device, this, this NX, is basically their, their evolution of the 3DS, and their evolution of the home console is still yet to come? Maybe... maybe I mean, we we don't know. Maybe in two years' time, th- four years' time, or something, there will be this big old box, which you can then plug your NX into, which which does allow you to play games that are more powerful. I mean, we don't know if if they're, they're not working on that it, stuff. It does seem to be a, a bit of a, a weird weird timing for a console like in between the the lifespan of Xbox One and PS4. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah, you're you're right. This could be the handheld. That Nintendo's I got, think, got I think if and that's then the they're going to release the next console Again, when spe- Xbox it's massive speculation. Two I mean, who knows? But I think if that's the case, then they've. I mean, I know most of what's come out about the NX has been out of their control, effectively, its beliefs and stuff. Mm. But I think if the NX is a successor to the 3DS and not in any way supposed to be a successor to the to um, the Wii U, mm. then Nintendo needed to get out ahead of this stuff very early on. Yeah. Because at this point, people are anticipating a successor to the Wii U. And I think if they don't get that, people are going to be very disappointed and very confused. I'm already very confused. The other thing that we we know that uh, Nintendo are keen on is like, uh, I think, do you remember, we were talking earlier today about the Resident Evil Revelations when that came out on 3DS. And obviously we've seen that upscaled for PS3 and and for other consoles. And, And Resident Evil Revelations 2 is another one. Uh, Capcom are very good at building these like really scalable engines from like 3DS all the way up to like home consoles. And I think that Nintendo saw that and kind of thought we want a piece of that. So there's nothing nothing to say that they haven't they haven't worked internally on on making things that are that are really scalable experiences so that you you know like you can be playing Breath of the Wild on 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 you know, just the screen by itself or plugging into the dock and then seeing that upscaled massively to something... So are you saying that we could have a game that is both NX and then Nintendo's home console as well? Well, Well, that is what the Eurogamer rumours are saying, that it's a hybrid, that it does represent a successor to both, which I I think... I I do think that is the right move for them, is is a hybrid that unifies their library. I Mm. think that probably is a good idea, but I think it does massively limit the power. Because I I don't think the dock will itself have... Um, you know, bonus computing power. If you see, what I mean, I don't think docking will allow it to to run games um, yeah. that are more powerful or anything uh, the, like that. The other thing as well is that if this is all true, and could all be nonsense. It could all be absolute nonsense. Is the way we play games on the go and the way we play games at home is different. Yeah. If you had a po- uh, if this new Pokemon game was like a was like a mainline Pokemon series entry, 
i.e. it looks, looked and, and played similarly to, say, X and Y or, or, or Ruby Sapphire or whatever, then, I mean, the way you, you, you play that on your commute or, or whatever, it, it's different from how you would sit and play like an RPG on your telly. Yeah, it's got, it's got to be more simple because you've got a lot of things to pay attention to when you're outside, like such as, oh, is this my stop? <laughs> I, I can't be wondering about, you know, my my stats There's that, in Pokemon. Uh, that, that, I, I need a simple experience when I get run over. Yeah, and, and, and things like um like uh if you're playing on a home console you, you can see a lot more on, on the screen. Yeah. So if you have a menu system so let let's so so the reason why you have uh for example only four moves for every Pokemon isn't because well, I, I'm assuming it's not because they couldn't give them six moves. It's because four is a nice number of buttons to have on on the screen on yeah. uh, on, on the, the original Game Boy screen, the old monochrome thing. Uh, having any more crammed on there would be really hard to to see or read. But whereas when you're on on a on a big screen, like you, can you imagine seeing like a, a new Pokemon with like four massive boxes at the bottom with like with like sand splash, sand splash. yeah, like four big old boxes with like. Uh, Give me a give me body a rubbish, slam. Body slam or big like, splash. Okay, more more rubbish sounding right. Hair removal. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, yeah, toad it'd poke. Be, it'd be toad ludicrous. Poke. Toad poke. Uh, <laughs> Fire drain. Um, <laughs> sink man. Uh, c- carry on. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. Like, is it going to be a thing where, like, you know, the font does the font size change based on whether you're docked or not? Like, yeah. But but I was talking to um our our freelancer uh, James Nouch uh, the other day about like what we would want from a Nintendo console mm. and um, on the last podcast where we talked about this I, I was saying that I wanted them to make something that was powerful because because I the point where I stepped out as a Nintendo sort of fan was the GameCube era when it was at a parity with with other consoles and mm. and and then when it went to the Wii it felt like a for someone who was really into like you know big game experiences, it felt like suddenly Nintendo weren't keeping up with that it, power. Anymore. It felt like it was yeah. like treading water. Um, just another GameCube. I think for me, it's got to be one end of the spectrum or the other. It's got to either be it's a complete parity with everyone else and and has good third party support, and then it can be your main console. Mm. But it has all the Nintendo games as well, which is like a brilliant. Those are brilliant exclusives. Mm. Or it's got to be its own weird thing that is cheaper than everyone else that works as like a side console that you play your Nintendo stuff on and it has a relatively small library and then your main console is still like a PS4 or or a PC or an Xbox One and um, but if it's somewhere in between if it's the cost I mean the Wii U I feel like it's somewhere in between it's the cost of a main console but it has the library and the power of a kind of weird side project Mm. and which is not to say that there aren't brilliant games on the Wii U, but I don't mean it like that. But I mean, like, if you want to play lots of current-gen gaming experiences, a Wii U can't be your only console. Yeah. I'm, I'm so I hope they find a good, uh... a good uh, sort of extreme there. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's still not cheap enough. That's that's the point. Like, I'm, I'm still waiting for it to come down in price, just so, so I can Wii play U? all these. Yeah, just so I can play all these Nintendo games. Well, it'll be about like two hundred and fifty quid. We've got one in the office. You can just yeah, but have we, have we got all the games? Games are still well, like forty quid. That is true. They do keep their that money. is a big thing for me as well. Is is Nintendo games just don't seem to drop in price, yeah. and I can understand why. And obviously, it's there. It's completely up to them if they don't want to do these big slashes. But like, I was like, um, did you just say big slashes? Yeah, big price slashes. Uh, okay, um, clarification needed. But 
like for example, I wanted to try out Animal Crossing because I never tried an Animal Crossing game, and I was like, oh, I'd like quite like to try New Leaf, and I can borrow the 3DS in the office and just poodle about with it. Hmm. Poodle, poodle about. But but that game, if you want to buy that game, it's still like 40, 45 quid. Yeah, and like yeah, I mean, and that game's like what, like three years old at this point or something. Yeah, and like if it was like twenty quid, I'd, I'd impulse buy it just to. Check it out, but uh, like four... you see, you see the you see the four, and you're like, whoa! Well, it, it, yeah, it's four's just... not a number that should be approached in game pricing. It, it just it just feels like I should be able to dip into some of that older Nintendo stuff and, and not feel like I'm making like a big investment. Mm. Um, but anyway, there, there's your question answered, Samuel. Well, yeah, well, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. Oh, because well, I haven't technically answered the question yet. Oh, okay, Matt's got to wait. Uh, I think that it's like on a journey again. So you both think it will fail if it's underpowered? Is that what you're saying? No, 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 I'm no, saying, no, no. I'm no, saying no. it needs to be. If it's going to be underpowered, it needs to be. Um, they need to focus in on other aspects of it. It needs to right. be. It, it, it needs to be a good handheld, and it needs to be cheaper than a normal than a, than a current gen console and, mm. and, and stuff like that. Mm. But I'm saying it, its popularity doesn't depend on how powerful it is. Apart yeah. from, I want it personally to be really, really, really right, powerful. Okay, okay. So I think that it's just, and it's the same with everything. It's just all about the games. It doesn't doesn't matter if 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 they come up with some incredible new gaming experience which is only possible on on their machine then then I'll, I'll pick it up and buy it and yeah. I think everyone I, I don't think that's true though because no? I think the Even Wii I think game. the Wii U has some absolutely brilliant Nintendo games on mm. it some of the best but, games but, Nintendo has ever made but it's a volume of them it's like there's, it'll be like a great game six months and then another great game yeah, yeah but is that going to change anytime soon well that's this is what I mean if they build well yeah the game if they build the library it's not just like I'll oh, build one but yeah. if, they, if they have like if they have day one new Zelda new Mario new Pokemon <laughs> bit of Metroid F Zero yeah gonna, or, or, you, how or, can you resist or that or like Splatoon two or like you know like yeah. a load of load of new stuff on there as well then great and if it's like Every every two weeks, three weeks, there's a new game coming out that's that's exciting that, that, that gets your attention. And then it doesn't matter how powerful it is, really. Yeah. I don't see them releasing stuff at that sort of speed. Well, this but... is the thing; it's it's about third party support as well, isn't it? Yeah, that's the thing. And I, I I I can't see them bringing third parties back into the fold. If you see what I mean. I well, like appara- they... apparently, uh, old uh, what's his name, Eve, over at Ubisoft, has already seen it and and. What did he say? You said it. Oh, very excited about. Yeah, but Ubisoft is different because <laughs> Ubisoft's Such always French accent. That's, that's my. U- Ubisoft's always been because uh, because there's there's loads of, to be honest, pants shovelware that they put on Nintendo consoles, isn't there? Like starting with the Wii, they were like, it's like, oh, here's Rabbids cartoon um, adventure. Or excuse whatever. me, R- Raving Rabbids is an amazing franchise. Yeah, they make good stuff as well. No, like, but there, Zombie, there is a Raving Rabbids Zombie game. Zombie U was one of the launch games for the Wii U. Yeah, there, is, there are good ones, but there's loads of terrible ones as it's well. A, the problem was was not Ubisoft. The problem was mainly like you had like this, this initial wave on the Wii U of like Mass Effect 3 and Batman uh, Arkham Armored Edition or whatever it was. Yeah. And then after that, just everyone just kind of stepped away from it because the numbers weren't there. Yeah. Mm. Um, you just got to think like people that, uh, with NX Nintendo just have to kind of incentivize people doing stuff with their with their tech a yeah. little bit, giving a little bit of freedom maybe. Do stuff. Well, let's. Uh, we can only wait and see with that one, but um, hopefully we'll hear more information about it at Gamescom. Yeah, hopefully. And um, and certainly if there is anything, uh, uh, well, if we start to see stuff at Gamescom, you'll see it all written up. Um, with all the information that you need, all concisely presented to you with lovely shiny pictures um, in the pages of uh, the next issue out mm. on the uh, 8th of September. But uh, we've got one more question from Stanley Cohen, uh, also on Facebook. 
who says, what's your favourite period of video games? Do you think games are the best they've ever been? Uh, I think, personally, 2008 is the best period 2008. ever. 2008, okay. Yeah, I'm going to go 2008, because... Go on. Let me tell you that the games that came out in that lovely year of 2008, which was almost 10 years ago now... Grand Theft Auto 4. Beat that. <laughs> Metal Gear Solid 4. Mm, um, I don't like either of these games. Okay, well... Well, well I'm going to... Rock Band 2 was amazing. That's probably one of my favourite games. Maybe the best experience I've ever had with a video game. Wow. Just all piling into my, my room at uni with all the instruments, banging away at... Um, well, I probably can't sing it because we get sued... Um, you can sing up to can, 15 you can, seconds. You can tell us the name of the song. Carry on my wayward oh, yeah. son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There'll be peace that. when you stop. Are. Stop. Uh, and I was I was banging away in the old drums, and I became quite the drumsman. Can you actually play the drums? <laughs> I, I, I can tap a good rhythm. Okay. And I feel like if you can do a rhythm on virtual drums, you can do a rhythm anytime. It's, fu- it's funny because because I can play the drums. Yeah. I was at an arcade in uh, Brighton. No, it was, in, it was when I was living in Japan, oh. uh, and, and I was with a bunch of like, pe- like it was when I first moved out there, and I was like trying to make new friends. Yeah, you know, like like awkward stage when you know people but you don't actually know them. Yes, and then we all went to like this arcade, uh, and they had this like, uh, I think it was called like Drum Mania or some some. Oh yeah, I've seen that little red and I was, like, mascot man. Like, I, I can legitimately play the drums. I'm gonna go down, sit on this machine, like pick the hardest song, and just be like. Blaze through it. And blow exactly. Is that as well? They want to be my friend. Uh, and uh, and no, it's like totally not playing drums. Playing hmm. drums. I don't. It's obviously changed since then because that was like a few years ago, and like rock band came out with all that stuff. Can, can you do but, a, a um, beat now for us? What like on the table? Please just, don't do that because it will sound terrible. <laughs> on the mic. Just just clap. Just clap, clap a five second beat. You can clap. Nah, you're good. It's all right. Okay. That's my little beat there. That was Ben. Um, <laughs> Bioshock. <laughs> this this is Matt. Looking at the. Uh... <laughs> I'm just looking over at the levels to see how much that's spiking them. Not too bad. <laughs> okay. Cool. Uh, okay. Carry on. Bioshock. Another okay, yeah. big game. Okay. I'm, I'm with you on the Bioshock. Great game. Um, Fable 2, Far Cry 2, Little Big Planet, Motorstorm, God of War. Uh, my personal favourite two. Uh, if, you, if you could see, if you could only see so my faces, this is a weak <laughs> list. Okay, and <laughs> these are my there these are my great games three there, most but... underrated games, probably ever, and they all came out in the, in the same six month span. Tomb Raider Underworld, Banjo Kazooie Nuts and Bolts, and Prince of Persia reboot. They were is that very Prince of Persia, um, 2008. Oh, the, the, with, with the, the North. okay, I, I'm down with that one, cause yeah. I, we've talked about that we, one on the yeah, podcast yeah. before, but I'm down with that one. They're, they're all my three favourite underrated games. Uh, and that's just consoles. I think X, Xbox Live Arcade had a really, that was when it started really the picking summer, up. Was that the, when it first started the summer of? I'm pretty uh, sure it was, cause it had Bionic Commando, had, oh yeah. had, Braid. I, I think Braid came out in 2008. It says that on Wikipedia anyway. Wow. Also, also, don't like the Braid. Um, wow, Robin doesn't like any games. <laughs> it had Geometry Wars Retro Evolved 2, which is an amazing... So those that, are, those, that all those started taking off. Those are all like solid games. Yes. But let me just pull this little list that oh, I've got. Go on then. It's the basis for a golden age. I think that's, uh, that's feeble, but let's see what Matt's got. Well, so I'm going to pick I disagree. Uh, the golden year of, uh, of 1998. Oh, that's a good year. Right? So I'm going to list some some games that that came out in 1998. Yeah, Zelda, Ocarina of Time. Yep. Half-Life. Starcraft. Pokemon Red and Blue. That's a nice game. Metal Gear Solid. Resident Evil 2. Uh, Goldeneye? Rogue Squadron. I think Goldeneye came out in 98 as well, yeah. It's not on my list, but it it did. There you go. F-Zero X. And 
one just to, to kind of call back. Tenchu, Stealth Assassins. Oh, they've ruined <laughs> it now. It's definitely not the best year. Um, no, 98 is definitely regarded by a, most gamers strong, as strong, the best strong one of the best years. Does it have Jumper Griffin's story in, though? Think about it. If you, didn't have, if you didn't have those years, that, yeah. or that, that year of gaming, just how many things would we have missed out? How many franchises would just you know, like pop out of existence? So the nature we of time means Pokemon. we would you have to have every year ever, otherwise nothing would exist. Yeah, I'm talking like... If, yeah, I mean, if you... by that logic, Matt, we could say that the Big Bang was the best year of gaming, yeah. because without the Big Bang, <laughs> well... it definitely was important. <laughs> okay. I'm going to say... <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think this gets said enough. I, 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 um, uh, I'm going to say a big yes to the second part of Stanley's question. I think games are the best they've ever been. I think people spend too much time th- looking back and, and thinking about the golden age. I think I think it's reflected in uh, Ben. I think your favourite year is the year you were at university. You were playing all these oh, games with all your mates, nice. like, and it's a, a wonderful memory for you. But uh, I, I need think to in- live in the moment. Well, I think in terms of the variety of experiences, how accessible gaming is, like all the different ways that you can play it, um, and, and like how cheap it can be if you if you um, if you're someone who doesn't have a lot of money, uh, particularly if you're very young, there's more more ways yeah. than ever to play games without having to spend loads of money. Yeah, that's the other thing as well. It's like in 1998 when I was, you know, a kid playing these games, there was so much less like just stuff. Yeah, there's no Netflix. There's no like YouTube. There's no, no love film. Yeah, there's no like there's no there, there's not 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 as much stuff like just knocking about to like capture your attention and stuff. It was like play outside, get your bike and just cycle around or whatever, and or play video games. Ga- games are a lot a lot nicer now. They 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 used to be some of them that were misogynistic and like hyper violent and a, and a bit nasty, mm. but now there's there's a lot more fairness in games. Yeah, and I think you it's easy to kind of um... which I like. Obviously, the only when you look back, the only things you remember are the things that were that were good and that that, that mm. stayed with the public consciousness because they were good, impactful, influential games. Yeah. And then all of the like crap nonsense, obviously, kind of gets forgotten by time. Mm. Um, and obviously, we've got lots of yeah. I think I think Gex came out in 1998. Actually, <laughs> yeah. Gex three the Gecko. When did Croc come out? Because that I was definitely that was the low N64. point. Was it? I thought it was PlayStation 1. Oh, yeah. Legend of the Gobbos. <laughs> My God, what, well, what Actually, saying that, games aren't really awful now. Um, apart from Dino Dini's Kickoff Revival, games aren't really that bad. Like, get, games have to go through, like, approval and they've got millions of dollars spent on, spent on them. Whereas, back then, there was a lot more shh. Well, I was going to swear, but I'm not going to. I'm going to read out a few games that were rubbish. Pimp My Ride. Is this from? Is this from two thousand? This from two thousand eight. So it's not even that long ago. Frogger two. You got Spectral Force three. In- Innocent Rage. Fatal Frame. You wouldn't get any of these. Fatal um, Frame was great. Well, I'm gonna mark it down as rubbish. Um, <laughs> Jumper Gripping Story. You just said that was good. <laughs> I, know, but I, was, but I was lying. The History Channel Battle for the for the Pacific. These things wouldn't even get funded now. But well, you then, say that. No, there's still loads you, of crap. There, there are, is a there lot are of bad games, now. but the volume of good to bad now is greater. I think, in I think favor the difference is that you don't get many like broken games now. Yeah. You get games that, that that are still playable. Like you'd get games, but in the past, like uh, early PS1 era games, where you'd just be clipping through walls and the camera would be going all over the all over the place. Uh, now, at least, Glover. at least generally speaking, most games are functional, if not, if not. The, the bad, the, the broken ones are kind of relegated to iPhone. 
because they're cheaper to make, so it's it's easier to make a broken game. Whereas on on console, it takes like three years to make the average console game. I think if you're talking so like big budget games, good. but obviously like because, and I think this is a good thing. Like development is so much more open now, and anyone really can develop a game if if they really mm-hmm. want to. That does mean that there is a lot of there is a lot of nonsense, and I think like I think because there are so many big budget, really good games now, maybe a lot of the nonsense kind of gets swept under the rug a bit. But if you go onto Steam and look through just look through the new releases mm. you have to shovel through some oh, yeah. some poo to get to the the gold so um uh song with galgun basically the 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 green light page on steam is that scene at the end of Shawshank redemption right <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah um but so, anyway yeah so it's 98 2008 and 2016 not not i mean we don't have to specify a year i just mean like right now okay just right now, the last. So in five minutes, now. it's over. The best yeah. time is over. No. That's, I think that's a beautiful sentiment. The golden age is travelling with us as we move through time, okay. like a halo. So it's always been the golden age. Yeah. So we're all right. Well, in no, a way. Except, except <laughs> when it was. I, I'm not saying it always gets better because. When probably, did the golden age start, Robin? Uh, just now. Um, oh, when I was born. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um... That should comprehensively answer your questions, Stan. Um, All of time. And thank you very much to Sam and Stan for your questions. And uh, as I say, don't hesitate to send in questions yourself if you're listening. They, they were really uh, good, those ones. I like them. I like them. Yeah. Uh, we always like questions like that. They give us a chance to uh, have an argument and see what <laughs> nonsense Griffin can come out with. And show off our rhythm. Clapping skills. So, issue 307 is on sale now. And uh, we'd really appreciate you going out and grabbing a copy. And I think you'll find some brilliant writing within. Ooh, um, pictures. You can't read. But, um. <laughs> yeah, that's true. There are plenty of reasons to pick up the mag, even if you can't read. But, um, not sure how you will have navigated your way to this podcast at that point. But if you have, then, uh. Fair play to you. We'd love to have you as a fan. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's all the time we've got, uh, we've got left for today. So the only thing left to say is what's Griffin's Twitter handle? At GameGriffin on Twitter. That's what, that's. Uh, ben Griffin's Twitter handle if you do want to contact him um, you can get me on uh, at Robin L Valentine and Matt at G Maniacal um, thank you very much for listening and uh, you'll hear from us again soon see you later bye goodbye goodbye